For some reason, we tell ourselves that when we're in a bad state and we feel like I'm really sad, I'm really having a hard yeah. time, God doesn't want to be in those moments. He just wants to be with us when we feel like we look great and we have it all together and our words all just come together and people just love us and everything's perfect. That's not true. Like God honors it and he draws close to us when you tell him yeah. that you're mad at him. Yeah. When you let him know how you're really feeling because he already knows it. Welcome to More Than Small Talk. We're Susie Eller, Jennifer Watson, and Holly Gerth, writers and real-life friends. We're inviting you to go deeper, become freer, and feel more connected. So imagine you have a cup of coffee, a mug of tea, or a green smoothie in your hand, and we're all hanging out in your favorite place together. More than small talk friends, we have not one but two guests with us this week that we're excited to hear from. Chuck and Ashley Elliott are speakers. Chuck is a pastor, Ashley is a counselor, and together they are the authors of the new book, I Used to Be How to Navigate Large and Small Losses in Life and Find Your Path Forward. So, thank you for being with us today, Chuck and Ashley. Yeah, thanks for having us. We're looking forward to this. This is exciting. There's a bunch of us in here. This sounds like a lot of energy. I like it. That's <laughs> yeah. an honor. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was reading your book. And first of all, I love the title. I used to be fill in Thank the much. blank. Mm. And as someone who has navigated lost in the last few months, I've lost a sibling. There were parts of your book that just were really profound to me. So first of all, who did you write this for? And kind of what was the heart behind writing this book? Well, we certainly wanted to help people normalize a lot of the things that they feel, especially at the identity level when it comes to grief, because our world feels shaken. When we go to work, we feel like, what's wrong with me? I'm not my best. When we're at home, we feel a little bit more frustrated. Maybe we have a lower frustration tolerance. We have all these things. And I think so often we just try to barrel through. I know I did and try to just bring my best self everywhere I am to church, to ministry, all the things. And I felt kind of alone. And then I realized I know I'm not alone in in some of these things, but I haven't really heard people talk, at least the way that I talk about it. That, you know, and so I wanted people to feel that it's okay to struggle, but run to God. Like that's, that's kind of one of our, our desires. And so the audience, you know, we kind of started off more of thinking we want to do a workshop about miscarriage because we see there's not a lot of people talking about it. And then we said, well, look at this. And actually another author suggested like, all of this applies to my loss too. And other people's loss. Well, let's, mm-hmm. let's step out and be a little bit more broad. And so we started thinking about our losses and relational losses, job, those type of things. We said, yes, this is. And so it helped helped us to feel like we were able to help in different ways. And so that's part of why we have a lot of different people sh- share stories because we want it to apply to a lot of different types of loss. Yeah. Yeah. I love that reframing of there's a loss anytime. There's a shift in your identity, mm-hmm. you know, where you used to be one person or one way or have something in your life and you don't anymore. I think that's really healing. So you talk a lot about the lies that grief tells us. And I think that's important for us to know because otherwise we just think those lies are the truth. And so Mm -hmm. can you talk to us about what are the lies that grief tells us? One of the main ones is grief tells us that we're alone. Mm -hmm. No one else has felt this. No one else has gone through this. And it's really isolating. 
It's isolating when we believe those lies. And one of the thing is, things is we can have lots of lies and things that we believe and things that it's always going to be this way, that we're always going to feel this way. And whenever we feel like we're alone, we, we start withdrawing and we start feeling like I can't engage with people the way that I used to. So no one wants to be around me. And grief can also tell us that no one wants to be with me now. No one wants to hear about the things that I'm going through. And that's also not true. And as we talk about in the book, we found that when we asked for what it was that we needed, people were willing to respond more than we thought that they would. Mm. So not mm -hmm. just that we felt alone, but that nobody cared was a big part of it mm. as well. And we like to lean into the function and the dysfunction because we realize we're not alone. We are kind of isolating. And sometimes when we can't physically isolate, we would emotionally isolate. Mm -hmm. So we like to look mm -hmm. at what's the good in that negative. Wait a minute, we shouldn't isolate, but what, what's the good? We're trying to protect ourselves. We're trying to protect ourselves from something. So we don't want to harm someone. So if I feel like I don't have the filter that I normally would, and I might say <laughs> something hurtful, like I'm just going to stay home. No one needs to be around me. But in mm -hmm. reality, we just need to share. And then as family members or friends, whoever we're around, we can try to be compassionate and learn to just accept them and accept each other whenever we're a little bit broken. And I think that that's a beautiful picture of the body of Christ, that we hold each other's arms up, we lift mm -hmm. each other up, we pray for each other, we encourage each other. And it's okay to feel like we're unsettled, but we need that reminder of the truth whenever that whenever we know that grief is lying to us. Yeah. yeah. Um, something that People, I know that pe grieving people understand this, but like grieving really affects our body and it has lasting effects. Can you just speak into that? Because sometimes we are told you should be over this by now. Yeah, certainly. I, I feel like I had a, tr I had trouble sleeping. I had mm -hmm. trouble thinking. <laughs> sometimes I would feel like I'm up teaching a class and I just would struggle. I'd want to cry. I'd, I'd, I'm always interactive with classes. And so people would share something. They'd trigger something that in me and I would just feel like I need to leave. Mm -hmm. And one day I actually did that during class. I said, okay, give it a minute. And the class canceled. And I feel like it can be really hard, but it also can trigger us to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And so if we look at it and try to reframe it, we go, Lord, if I'm not okay, can I run to you first and mm -hmm. can I take care of myself? So if my physical body is telling me I need to take care of it, mm -hmm. then I should listen. And I think that that sometimes comes through anger, especially for men, but for women too, mm -hmm. if we feel angry, then let's not just accept that as our new identity, but let's say what's going on, what's beneath my anger and allow the Lord to help us heal. Yeah. I found that I'd almost be in a fog. So imagine mm -hmm. you're in a meeting, you're at work, mm -hmm. you're with your family. And like, I just can't connect. I can't connect emotionally, relationally. And I knew that was the case for when we went through other other type of losses. There's like, okay, that makes sense. Um, we just experienced a miscarriage or something was going on. But I think that there's other smaller things that we lose and our identity is shaken. Mm -hmm. And we're really grieving a loss. Mm -hmm. And it has made me more aware over the last couple of years as we've been doing more of this work that if I can slow down and process, what is it that's the rub here? I'm missing this identity that I had. I thought that when I was going to go into this room, I was going to be viewed in this way. And that doesn't seem to be going on right now. What do I need to get underneath? What do I need to be curious about? Like Ashley talks about a lot and get underneath this so I can say, oh, I need to have a conversation or, oh, maybe I have an unmet expectation that I need to address within myself or with somebody else. 
And that makes me more present in moments. So a lot of the tools that we talk about in this book, I've found that they don't just help with grief and loss. I found that they help with just normal processing and the yeah, normal so processing good. of how do I, how do I be present in these moments? Yeah. I think that's what I loved about the book is it's not just um, inspiration. It's actually, there's perspiration in this. You give, mm-hmm. you give the ability to be able to work through some of these. I was in a place for a year where I was walking alongside my younger sibling and I realized that I'd been in a place of just putting my head down, you know, and, and, and working and, and showing up and doing all the things and being strong for everybody. And there came a point after his loss that I sat in my living room and I lamented like, Mm -hmm. and when I say I lamented, I grieved, I cried, I shouted, I asked the hard questions. Um, I feel like the words I'm mad, if you're speaking to God, is an absolutely beautiful prayer. And so, you know, just told God, I'm mad. I don't understand. And it was a place of leaning in to the grief that I felt because I hadn't, I didn't have the luxury. It didn't seem like before then because I was just doing all the things. And so you give some of those tools to help people lean in to those feelings. And so what is, what is one tool that you suggest to help them be able to do that? I think addressing the spiritual dissonance is a good thing. For us, we had views of God, like God's near, God's near to the brokenhearted. Mm -hmm. He loves us. He cares. And then whenever we face a loss and we're kind of like, God, where are you? Even if I'm not asking back for what I lost, I just need you. And and for some reason, I felt a distance and I didn't feel like I was doing anything wrong on my part. Maybe there was some pride and some sin there that I wasn't noticing, but I felt God was distant and I felt God was silent. And so I thought, what's wrong with me that I'm not praying right or what's wrong with God? And so there was this dissonance, which the dissonance is we have two conflicting views of God. Before I viewed God as caring and present. And now I'm wondering, is God not present? Is God not caring? And so addressing that spiritual dissonance is helpful Mm. because if we go to God's word, we can look to scripture to help our struggles. So yes, we might say, God says he's near to the brokenhearted and God, I don't feel you. But if we go to other stories, we can see, well, David said, God, where are you? I don't feel you yet. I will praise the Lord. And we go to Job and his wife says, Hey, uh, curse God and die. We don't look to her and think, oh, that's the way I want to be. <laughs> we look to Job and we respect him and mm-hmm. he held on. And in the end, we can see that God came to him and restored his faith. He was questioning maybe a couple of times, like, oh, if God would listen to me, I'd tell him my case. And then when God does come to him, he is quickly humbled. And mm-hmm. so when we look through scripture, we can see Yes, God says that he's near. And sometimes it doesn't always feel like it, but we can also look at other verses. One from Job that says God speaks in one way and in two, though man does not perceive it. So those two scriptures can go together and go, wait a minute, if we don't perceive God's presence, that doesn't mean he isn't present. We just may not be perceiving it. 
And so looking through scripture to resolve our dissonance, I think is really helpful, but also normalizing the fact that we, we get it all messed up. We have a wrong view of God and God still loves us even when harmful things happen. And I think that that's helpful. I love that you shared that about your story. And thanks for doing that, by the way, the fact that you were in your home and you lamented and you went there, (laughs) that is powerful. For some reason, we tell ourselves that when we're in a bad state and we feel like I'm really sad, I'm really having a hard time. God doesn't want to be in those moments. He just wants to be with us when we feel like we look great and we have it all together and our words all just come together and people just love us and everything's perfect. That's not true. Like God honors it. And he draws close to us when you tell him that you're mad at him. Yeah. When you let him know how you're really feeling, because he already knows it. Yeah. But you're welcoming him into those parts of your life. I know that for me, whenever I went there and saw it as a spiritual act to lament, yes, to uh, to allow myself to connect God to those moments and let him know that this doesn't feel fair. Yeah. I don't understand this. I don't know why we're going through this. Those were some deeply spiritual moments for me. Agreed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. So the two of you have sat with a lot of grieving people and have learned a lot about what helps and what doesn't from your own story, too. We have talked about Job's wife, who's the excellent example of what not to do. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, how can we support the people in our life who are grieving? I think one of the things is, is take some of the pressure off because you're not going to say something to fix it. Mm. I think that's that's part of it. You, you're, you just be with people. So when you show up to a funeral, you show up to someone's house, you make the text message, make the phone call. You don't have to have the perfect words because you're not going to be able to reverse time and take away mm. what it is that's hurting. Right. You. That's not your job. Right. But you can be with them and you can ask them how they're doing. And when you feel that resistance to reach out, you push through that resistance. Mm. And if that's someone... Good. feels tempted to think about what to say. Like, it's not a bad thing to think about what to say, just making sure that our motives are good because sometimes we'll ask questions and we'll say, "Uh, how far along were you when you lost Ah. or how how long were they sick? And we'll ask questions that might be just satiating our curiosity or almost maybe determining how much empathy we're going to give. But Mm -hmm. in reality, we want to really support people. Another thing that I think people do sometimes is they want to try to sound They want to sound spiritual or smart. So if you say to someone who's grieving, oh, they're in a better place, that makes the person who's saying it feel better. And for me, when people would say that, I would feel a little bit of shame, shame on me for not being so spiritual. And I know Mm -hmm. they might be in a better place, but I'm still grieving. Mm -hmm. And so I think just reminding ourselves that we can just be more silent or just hug or ask a question like, Hey, I love you. How are you today? And that can be enough. And we can even ask like, Hey, I want to support you. I know you face this loss. How can I support you? Do you want me to ask about it? Do you not want me to ask about it? Because so often I've heard people say they don't want to ask because they don't want to bring up the hard topic and make it hard for them. But for me, I, I felt like 98% of people just didn't ask about it. Mm-hmm. And so that made me upset. And yeah, feel of course. And yeah. I'd, be, I'd be irritated because I'd feel like everybody's asking my mom how I'm doing. She's getting all the relationships <laughs> and I'm getting all the loneliness. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah. I knew that that wasn't a reason to be mad at my mom, but it, it just created complexity that then I asked her, you hey, everybody's talking to you. Will you tell them to ask me? And I was just so vulnerable to do. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to ask for people to talk to me about it, but 
it's just hard for people to bring it up. So I think just normalizing it, if you feel like it's hard to talk about grief, so does everyone else. Yeah. But we want to get better. We can get better. And our families, our loved ones, they need us and they need us and can accept the bad things that we say. So <laughs> don't just hear these things like I'm not saying anything because then we end up struggling in a different way. But we can have hope and ask ask hard questions. Yeah. Well, you said that grief impacts intimacy. So can we talk a little bit about that? For sure. Intimacy doesn't just mean like sexual intimacy. Sure. It just means seeing us deeply. And I think mm -hmm. if we put up so many walls, then people can't see us. But why do we put up walls? We put them up to protect ourselves. Yeah. So if I am hurt, I want to protect myself. And then Chuck can't get in to support me or to love me or to connect with me. And I think the same thing happens with God. We can sometimes create distance. I don't like what I'm reading in scripture because I just get mad and I feel bad about myself. And so I'm just going to create distance. I'm going to put the Bible down. It's too hard. It's triggering. And if we continue this way, we will find ourselves struggling. We'll feel depressed, maybe isolated. I think this is where sometimes the suicidal ideation comes in. Mm -hmm. I just want out. Well, we're doing it wrong. We're suffering alone. We've put up walls to protect, but they end up actually causing more hurt and isolation. So mm -hmm. I think that there, there's a lot that we could talk about and work through there, but that's just a little bit that comes to mind. And intimacy with the two of us is one thing and intimacy with God, but we also found that with relationships and friendships. Mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily have the practice of having some of these conversations with some of the men that I've had relationships with before we've gone through some of these processes. And I found it to be really connecting and knowing that other men are feeling some of the same things that I've felt when they've yes. lost kiddos, when they've had an identity shift, when things don't turn out the way that they wanted them to in their lives. And going there, I found some intimacy and some relationships that I didn't expect to be there. Good. That is good. That's so if someone's listening and they're like, I am in it right now. Like I'm listening to you talk and I am in grief. What would each of you want to say to that person today? We see you. We've been there. And we want you to get out of the pit and get yourself better because there's so many other people who need you. So get some tools, get some counseling, get around some friends and connect. Start with the small, mm -hmm. whatever's the safest relationship that you can connect with. And especially go to God, like you said, Susie, that you can just go to God with your hurt and and then pick up a book, pick up resources, get help, and then you're going to be able to help others. Mm -hmm. I'd say be patient with yourself. Mm -hmm. You don't have to have That's it all good. figured out. A lot of times when we talk to people who are grieving, they just want to know, am I doing this right? Am I doing mm -hmm. it wrong? And just want to know if they're okay. Just take one step at a time. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't know what it's going to look like three months from now, six months from now, years from now. You don't have to have all that figured out. But with people around you who love you and with tools, you can figure out your next step and you just keep on moving forward. And it's okay that you don't feel like you're just moving on quickly because when you lose somebody or something that you really loved, it changes who you are. So if you're just waiting for things to snap back to the way they used to be, it may not be that. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. But you can keep on moving forward. Yeah. So it's a great book, guys. I used to be blank. <laughs> How to navigate large and small losses in life and find your path forward. Please, Chuck and Ashley, tell us how to find you, how to find this book. So I want people to connect with you. Yeah. Thank you. Chuckandashley.com. 
Um, you can just check us out there. There's links to all of our social media profiles and things on there as well. And links to the book. You can buy it everywhere the books are sold. Thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much. And that's it for today's episode. Thanks for going deeper, becoming freer, and connecting with us. More Than Small Talk is a part of the KLRC Podcast Network and is produced by Kara Culver. Show notes and resources are available on the More Than Small Talk page on klrc.com. You can also join us in our Facebook group. Subscribe to More Than Small Talk on your favorite app so you won't ever miss an episode.